Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Strange Polymeters with uh, Jay Ryan. No, this is actually the Deerhorn. Um, it's kind of a one-off, a little bonus episode. So my friend Devin, uh, who did the logo for the show, who's built a Rolls 5, who has a Coca Quantus, um, we decided to get together for a socially distant walk. And we talked about having him come on the podcast before. And he said, well, why don't we put in our headphones and record the walk and try and make an episode that way? So we did that. We had a great conversation. We talked about uh, the Prophet Fives we both recently got. We talked a ton about Seat Lombard, his thought process behind the logo. Uh, we talked about samplers, some electron gear, uh, process. We talked about a lot of stuff, and it was just a really good organic chat. So the thing is, with the fact that it was a walk and talk, um, there is some background noise and there is some bleed into the microphone, so it's it's not going to be the highest quality episode. I just want to give that disclaimer, so don't message me and say that this podcast is unlistenable. Uh, if you're really picky about quality, this is probably not the episode for you. As it stands, I think it's listenable, and I'm about to send it off to Scott Green, who does all the final editing and polish for the show. So, Scott, if you're listening, I'm sorry for what you're getting, but uh, I have no doubt you'll make something that people can sit through for 40 to 45 minutes. And uh, Devin sent over a couple tracks, one you'll hear a little snippet of right away, and then a really cool noise piece that... uh, I threw on the end here, and uh, when this comes out, I will throw links to Devin's work and his Instagram and all that stuff. If you want to follow him, get in touch, hear his music, say hi, anything like that. And uh, on that note, I will shut up, and you'll listen to a snippet of a track from Devin, and we'll get right into our noisy but interesting walk and talk. Yeah, the profit was like pretty big deal. Um, I couldn't believe it, man. I really couldn't believe it that I got one, or that you when you played it. How when it I was. played it, mm, yeah. Like I remember, I texted you and I was like, "It didn't blow me away. It was just exactly what I wanted it to be." Yeah. And that was the thing, because I think that happens a lot with gear, where you like build it up in your head how it's going to be and then you play it and it's either more than that or you're disappointed yeah well and more than that can be um also disappointing in a way because then you like it makes it hard to find what you're actually wanting to get does yeah that makes sense yeah no that does make sense like with that one it's just like you turn it on and it's you if you know what you want it's like so easy to get there and if you don't it's hard to make a sound this bad, so 
it's addictive to yeah. be on there. Like and those knobs, man. Oh, I didn't. I was shocked when I saw how big they were. <laughs> Me too. Because I like. I mean, who isn't a fan of? the knob but like <laughs> i didn't think they would be that big no. they're bigger than any other knob in the studio and i've got some big ass knobs <laughs> so like it's bigger than those big rogans it is yeah so yeah you cannot it feels like a five thousand dollar synth it does so you can't like be disappointed in it i don't think no, and, like, I wasn't prepared to do it right away, but, like, I think I was telling you, I haven't had anything really with presets since I started modular. Yeah, same. And then having it, like, it, it just seemed like such a luxury now, even though, you know, at one point in my life, everything happened. Yeah, totally. I agree. Even just having, like, I usually just stick to the eight on the whatever bank that comes up first. Right. And even just having eight presets is, like, huge. Huge. This is just great. So you got a mono machine. Machine drum. Machine drum. But I think I might also get a mono machine. Do you have it, or is it like you ordered it? I just ordered it yesterday. Off Reverb or something? Yeah. It's, uh... Well, it's hard to find either of those things in Canada ever. And one, a machine drum came up that was in actual, like, mint condition with the screen protector still on the screen and the first owner. So it was just hard to pass it up. And I've wanted one for so long. I mean, one of the first things I even knew about it, I think it originally came out in 2000, 2001. It's crazy that that seems like it wasn't that long ago, but it was. Yeah, that was 20 years ago. Like, What? The 2000s to me are like just the 90s now. Yeah, know? yeah. I was thinking about that the other day too. But, I mean, like for how desirable those things still are, I assume that Electron had their electroniness figured out pretty early on. Yeah, I don't... Having sort of read about this, um, these specific ones and their history, it seems like over time they've lost a bit of their um, experimentation. Like, there's a lot of really weird experimental things about, like, the mono machine and the machine drum. Even just, like, like, feedback patching. It's, like, almost like a modular system under the hood uh, in terms of the machine drum, anyway. Mono machine, too, I'm guessing. Um, but a lot of those early ideas they continue to use in like the Octatrack and stuff. It doesn't have conditional trigs. Right. But I don't think that's something I'll miss. I don't know. Do you use them? I use them a lot. Like I love them, but I think it's one of those things like it's a feature that I knew was there and found a use for. If I didn't know it or it didn't have it, I don't think. I would get any less out of the instruments, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about it, too. But how does it work in, like, a modular sense? Like, I'm, it's so hard for me to visualize, like, feedback yeah. without connecting jacks. Okay, I'll give, you, I'll, I'll give you an example. So, it has 16 tracks. Each track can have a machine on it. The machines are, like, essentially different synthesis methods. So one of them's like an FM, one of them's a physical modeling, and the other one's like 
think like more like pure waveforms and stuff. Okay. And then each track also has an LFO, but you can assign the LFO to any track you want. And that's where it starts getting modular. Okay, so it's not tied to the track yeah. that it's on. It can be. It's like is, but it isn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's almost like kind of the neighbor thing on the Octatrack. Yeah. Without having to be neighbors. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. That's really neat. Yeah, there's some cool things about it. This one, it's one of the later ones, so you can sample on it. And it's not like a lot of sampling time, but... Hey, like any sampling is good, in my opinion. Yeah, and you're still like half on the hunt-ish for the sampler, right? Well, yeah. I'm going to see. This might fill what I need to really work with the sampler I have, which is that ASRX, which sounds amazing, but it's just like kind of a pain to program anything complicated on it so you can use the electron to sequence that yeah that's what it, i right? was thinking of yeah or that's what i'm hoping will work and then maybe even like sampling from one to the other and that kind of thing right yeah um but i love that sampler it sounds so good yeah that, it's funny too you've had that a while now and like i don't think i've ever heard you not sing its praises it just it's just one of those things where like <laughs> you're like oh yeah it's like cool but then like you you sample with it and it just like samples just sound so good i don't know well i mean i do know they took like so much care in like all the like analog to digital conversion and back and all of the dsp is just like i don't know what they did but it just sounds so good it has like 40 effects or something too and they're actually good but it's like one of those two-line displays where you have to like go through with the encoders for each individual thing and it, it's like anything after a while you get good at it but i don't want to spend my day just like yeah on these two encoders it's just like at first. yeah it's taught me a lot though with no, like, visualization of the waveform, for instance, you really use your ears more. That's a good point, yeah. I've always been kind of terrified of samplers where you can't see the wave. Like, I think the Roland, like, SP series, like the 404 yeah. or whatever, yeah. is kind of like that, right? I think so. It's not as weird as I thought it would be. But, like, I find, like, I don't know, like, 90% of what I do on the dig attack now even is, is like, parameter locking start points. Yeah. And even then, I just, like, it kind of has to be by ear because, you know, the sweet spot could have a click or whatever. And then you just listen until it's not there yeah yeah well and that's and that's the thing you might see it one way but it doesn't sound that way yeah yeah exactly. i would say we should go hang out out there but I, it looks like it's fucking windy and cold over there do you want to go check it out though what's up to you Let's... i don't know for the sake of this if maybe we should just try and stay sheltered yeah let's continue on there might be a chiller zone over there yeah, sampling is weird. Sampling is a really strange thing. It's so seductive, but then so much 
or so many times I'll be, I'll just be like, fuck, I hate working with samples so much. Did you get that? I like, I really go back and forth. Like, I never go back and forth about like filters and shit. Right. But like sampling, I'm like, oh, sampling's the best. And then like two months later, I'll be like, I never want to sample anything again. Like, what's the point? What's up with that? I, I used to be like that. But because it's only really recently that I've taken the sampling, I guess. Yeah. And now I love it and I know how I want to use them. But it's hard for me to like think of it like a synth because half the time when I like try and do melodic stuff with samplers, it just has too much, uh, like too much of its own sampling mind, you know? Yeah. Like if you pitch something low and then you start playing it up and it like gets shorter because the sample is shorter and shit, like. That stuff kind of bugs me, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I find if I use it more just for like textures and mm. and chopping things up that I played, then it doesn't. I'm more into that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I still need to figure out exactly how I want to use samples in my work. Cause like, just like as an example, last night I sat down with uh, the twenty six hundred. And I didn't have a keyboard or anything hooked up. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to make this thing talk on its own. And I got this really weird, like, rhythmic patch. And it was monitoring through the Digitap. So I'm like, well, I might as well capture a snippet. And I did. And then just from, like, that one little eight-second weird 2600 part... I chopped it up and like got a kick drum and a snare drum and a hi-hat and a bass line. And that's where the fun comes for me is like that patch on its own would not have been useful at all. But then to take it and have the good sound of a good synth and then mangle that, that's where it like gets sweet to me. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. I think, and I think that's what really they're used for and people use them for. And I, yeah, I usually like, what, what happens with me is I'll be like, oh, this thing sounds so cool, I'm going to sample it. And then I sample it, and I'm like, oh, okay, let's like make something out of this sample. And then I sort of get like a loop or something, but then I can't break out past the loop with samples. I can break out past the loop with other things. You don't think like being tied to like a sequencer or something is part of that problem, though? It probably is. Because I know, like, that's my deal. That's why I always struggle with sequencers. Because, like you said, you get a part that sounds cool, and it's like, now what? And if you want to, like, change it, you have to change everything versus, you know, if you're just improvising with a piano, you're like, time to change keys, and you just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Something about that balance between that structure of a sequencer and then just complete free form on the profit i think something's going to come out of that but i'm not exactly sure what oh i'm sure it will um i've well you'll be happy to hear that i've been recording i uh, am very happy and, to hear that and i've been recording uh the rolls five that i built through the coco Qantas. wow um not even uh 
purposefully initially. It just kind of happened. I routed everything uh, into a mixer that I just, I actually got two mixers recently. I think I told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you got that, was it Sony or something too? No, well, I was looking at that one, but I ended up getting a good local deal on one of those Yamaha ones that has the built-in drum machine. It's like okay, yeah, the yeah. EA90A or something. And it sounds amazing. And it's like, I think it's six channels. I don't even think it's eight channels. Um, but it was so cheap locally. I was just like, I have to buy this. Even though I had that cheap Tascam Model 3 or whatever it is on the way. That's the one you sent me pictures uh, of. Yeah, night, and I just right? fixed that up finally. And it's also great. So now I have these two mixers. So one I have going into the Coco Qantas, which is that Yamaha. And so... I can mix all my instruments just going into that. And then so you have like a sub mixer just for Yeah, Coco. yeah, exactly. That's really sick. It's sweet because it just makes it so easy to put anything through that. And then you just need the sampler post Coco so that you can capture literally anything. Yeah, so the Coco Qantas then gets routed into the Keep mixer. Um, and then from there, I actually have that going into the sampler. Okay, so if I want, because right. it has the all that special routing possibilities, um, which are really great. So I can just hit a button and it goes to the another sub mix on that Model Three. That thing's amazing. Yeah, um, that's super cool. Yeah, so like I'm set. Let's go this way. Sure. I'm like set for all that kind of stuff. It's just like. Figuring out how to get stuff to work together. So anyway, going back to what I've been recording. In uh, this process, just for testing purposes, I was sending stuff from the uh, rolls into the cocoa, just to make sure stuff was working. And you know how this stuff goes. It just like took off. And I was like, oh, this is a good combination. Right. I wonder why, but um, it like really is a good combination. So, yeah, I'm just doing these, like, I mean, this may not please you. They're, like, these quite harsh noise experiments, but, <laughs> I mean, they're, like, I, I love them. They're going really good. Well, like, I don't know. I've talked about that a lot before on the podcast and stuff. Like, it seems like when it comes to Seat Lombard or, like, Peter's Circuits that it's one or the other. Like, people are either full-on, like, harsh noise or trying to make it do the most beautiful thing like there's very little in between i would agree although i would say i do both of those things but i never end up with anything in between it's either like super beautiful like ambient like waves yeah or these crazy feedback like noise experiments that don't sound like anything else i can get in the studio so i was like well I, this is the time to start doing these so i figure Something like that. Record like 50 of them and then decide which ones are the best. Are you thinking to like narrow it down to like an 8 to 10 track yeah. album or like... Yeah, why not? I'm like, I'm tired of like being worried about releasing something like that because it doesn't have like songs or some shit on it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. That's something I've been struggling with too because I have this other band with my friend and like we do like song songs together 
and I wanted my stuff to be that way too, but I don't think it has to be. No, I don't think so either. But I think the thing is, for someone who has that background in song, it's good that you still have an outlet for it. Yeah, no, I would you know, agree. And I do my own sort of other stuff that I don't record, but um, yeah, I think so too. Because, like, the more I listen to, like, sneak down this secret ass road over here. ambient and experimental music and stuff, the more I realize, like, a lot of it is kind of, like, just an evolving loop or a kind of a staticky soundscape or whatever. And, like, I love that stuff. Yeah. So why is it so hard when I make it for me to think that it's okay? Right? You know? The brain is always working against itself. It's so strange in that way. The creative brain, I should say. Yeah, it's it drives me nuts. Yeah. But, like, the more I do it, the more I feel, like okay with it yeah but even still like i'll make a track and be like oh this is good and then listen to it the next day and like this doesn't go anywhere and it's garbage yeah yeah there's so yeah i need them i need something to go somewhere but it doesn't have to go as far as i initially thought that makes sense. Like, you don't need bridge verse chords. No, no. But I do need something to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I, I definitely need something to happen. I've noticed that I have a bad habit of, like, building it up at the end. Ah, uh, yes. Which is cool, but then when you do it on every track, it kind of loses value, right? Yeah. No, I, I understand that. But that's, like, I mean, that's just the classic building of tension and release that music has right you just distilled it into this one thing so like with the rolls thing you're doing more drone or more or is it like rhythmic chaos uh, or both it's sort of both hmm that thing is cool so i've been I think I told you to, but I like I've modified it. Yeah, that's a few times. kind of where I wanted to get to. Yeah, it, if you could talk about that a little. There's not a so I would say in its raw form without doing any modifications, maybe not as experimental as I would want it to be, which is why I wanted to do these mods, which are like all on the plum butter. I'm pretty sure, um, essentially giving everything. Oh. Uh, like an external in and an external out. Does that make sense? Like every piece has now a way to plug into it and a way to plug out of it. Whereas before all that stuff was done like internally. So you just have like a stereo output exactly. basically. But now what I've done is I can take audio out of any of the sections. So there's four AV dogs, four ultrasonics and four gongs and too, four right? gongs that's so potent yeah and then plus all the rolls too so um so yeah so now everything can go back into everything else and then there's still a few more i want to do i want to put in pots to change the pitch of the gongs because they're just set right now and i also wanted to do that, that's probably pretty easy to do too, right? If you know what you're oh, doing. Oh yeah, no, it's easy because it's actually just trim pots inside, so you just replace those essentially with a pot. Okay. Um, I was gonna do that maybe with the undulation settings on the 
for your dogs too. Um, and then what was the other thing? Yeah, right, because that plum butter has that. Like you have a knob that controls the rate or whatever. <sighs> what is it? You have a knob sort of like that to to control like the time? Yeah, it's like the speed of the undulation. Yeah, but then there's like another setting that you can do that has a trim pot inside that I think, but I don't exactly remember what it does. Um, and then I thought, does the plum butter have uh, CV control for the ultrasonic frequency? Yeah. It does, okay, so yeah. I wanna put that in too, cause I think that would be really sweet. Um, and then, I think that might be it. That sounds like a lot still to do. Um, but my favorite thing was I put in these like FM inputs on the AV dogs and it was kind of by accident because I was trying to figure out how to do to get like a signal to go in. And in the process, I found this spot that affects the pitch of the AV dogs. So I was like, well, that must be like an FM input. Right. So I put all those on, and it is, but if you connect them, the AV dogs to each other through those inputs, they also can act as outputs, and you get these really weird feedbacks between the AV dogs that sound amazing. And so that was like, I was like, okay, I got to like modify everything on this thing now, because like... That was purely by accident. I had no idea what it was doing. But I guess like, that's the benefit of being able to do that stuff. Though, yeah, right? yeah, totally. And when you're working with nine volts, it doesn't. It's not that dangerous. So, I'm just curious because I know, like, on the plum butter AV dogs, there's a switch. So there's a switch where it can just be like an external signal running in yeah or can't it's there's gons and trad and i can't remember which is which but one of them the fm is like a normal fm input where you will modulate the pitch yeah the other way is it's more of a wave shaper oh so it, it will bend the pitch like subtly but it's like how you can turn like the soft waves into more square or saw oh. type things and stuff. So I don't know if maybe, maybe you figured out what that was by accident. It could be. It honestly could be that. I didn't even know that was a thing that could happen on there. Yeah, I, I actually learned that like super late in in owning it. But yeah, once I found that out, it was cool, especially for droney stuff and everything. Yeah. So you're like, now you have a whole new world of tone, right? Sure. Yeah, so that thing's been quite good. I'm really happy that I ended up making that thing. I love that it's at a place, too, where, like, you're using it to make music, but also, like, have all these plans. Like, it's it's complete enough to be an instrument, but you still have all of these ideas. Yeah, it's still open enough that I can change it into something else. Like, to me, not being a DIY person, that is... That is something I could see being really addictive for that side of it, you know? Hey, look, we're here. Yeah, should we keep walking or? <laughs> oh, let's take a break. Do you want some coffee? I'm good on coffee. Yeah? Yeah. Well, we could continue walking or we can just hang out here. But we got to hang out outside, unfortunately. Let's do another like 10 minutes or so. Sure. I just had a few more things I wanted to ask oh, you. Oh, yeah. No, of course. And then we can shut this off. Oh, there's and there's no rush. I have nothing else going on. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs>
I, one thing I was going to ask you, so you did the logo for the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that. And I remember, like, hitting you up about it. But I don't think I give you, like, did I give you any guidelines as to, like, what the vibe should be? Sort of. Yeah. Enough that it didn't take me very long to get there. Um, I think I had just gotten a Coca Quantas, too. So I was, like, quite fresh and, like, really into, like, the website. Right. And if I recall, what you told me was... Here, let's just go back this way. Sure. Um, if I recall, what you told me was, it just has to have the colors of the gear. That was, like, your only stipulation, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because I just remember I didn't give you much. And then, like, you can't... I think it was, like, the next day you came back with it, and I was like, what the fuck? Well, so, my plan... Or, so, how I got there so quickly... And this is all goes back to intent and stuff. Like I said, I was into the website, so my idea was I want to capture this, like, sort of 90s vibe that the website has. And it just so happens that the progr- the digital art program, CGI program I use, called Bryce 3D, is actually from the 90s. Oh, cool. So, so right there, I had a head start. Because I was like, well, I know how to use this program. And I actually have, like, a ton of stuff already in this program that I could draw from. So, um, and then I thought about sort of the philosophy of the CL stuff, which is, like, experimental um, and, like, feedback, this kind of thing. Sure. So I basically tried to do what the Coco Qantas does, but with the image in that 90s program. So I basically was, like, resampling it, remixing it, um, feeding it back, like, does that make sense? I mean, I don't really understand it fully, but your intent makes sense. And so, and that's what, so then I just basically, to get the letters, I just, like, cut them out in Photoshop. Like, it was really simple. Um, but even, like, the, whatever the font you used or anything, like, it was just so perfect that, like, I still remember getting it for the first time and being like, oh, like, this is it. The podcast is legit and it's going to look cool. I have to say, I was very happy that you were into it. Um, And I think it just shows that if you start out with the right intent, it'll just come through. Like, if you kind of follow through with it Mm -hmm. and, like, commit to, commit to, like, how you started out. Uh Uh-huh. but yeah, I was like, I was actually surprised that you didn't want any revisions, honestly. Because like, anytime I've worked like that with clients, it's like, I know we told you this, but now that we've seen it, can you do it this way instead? Like, there was none of that. So thank you for being a good client. Um, well, but that, that's what I was saying, though. Like, I mean, I'm not a visual artist by any means, but. I just remember, like, I didn't give you a ton, and I kind of wanted you to just... I wanted it to be, like, your vibe, you know? Sweet. Because I trusted you, that's why I hit you up. And, and like, because I didn't have any expectations, I think, is the thing. Like, if I had give you a very specific set of guidelines and was like, I want it to be this, <clears throat> then there might have been yeah some, like, oh, well, I wanted it more like this or whatever. <laughs> but this was more like, I want you to take 
your idea and just go with it. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that's always going to be the best approach. Because had you come back to me with, like, so many directions, I also may have said no. (laughs) I wouldn't have said no. What am I saying? I would have just done it. But I always think, too, like, I don't know if you've noticed now, like, every episode I'll find some shit, like, related to the guest and, like, just cramp the photo up a little bit for, like, my Instagram. Oh, I love that, by the way. Do you just do that yourself? Yeah, I just use some, like, cheap app. (laughs) That's awesome, though. It looks good. But... What I was thinking, actually, in this conversation now that ties back to what we were talking about, I think the art was like that perfect marriage of chaos and beauty that we were talking Sweet. about, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's exactly what I wanted, because if you just glance at it, it's kind of, like, chaotic, but then when you really look at it, you're like, oh, this is actually pretty subtle and pretty. Sweet. Yeah, that's good. And it's legible. Yeah, you can yeah. definitely read it exactly. Yeah. That was a that was a worry. So the other thing I was going to ask you is, yeah. uh, you mentioned to me recently that you've been horny for Seattle Lombard lately. Well, I don't know if I would use that term. Well, but I, I use the term. <laughs> um, what but term yeah. did you use, just for clarity? Um, I am. What, I don't even know, but I'm, I guarantee you it, it was not a sexual, a sexual one. Um, okay. Definitely, uh, I think, what did I say? I think I said obsessed, actually. Okay. That, that sounds, sounds like what like I would something say. something you would say. Yeah. Which is true. Yeah, so I was just curious, like, what are you obsessed with? Like, what do you think your next thing would be and why? Oh. Good ass question um I'd be curious to see something new actually is that a weird answer maybe just in the sense that like what if there was something new what would you hope that it would be I guess yeah well the so the reason I say something new is just because the plum butter is obviously like the one that I would want to get, but I don't know if I can justify it having the rolls. I probably can, though. I can justify anything these days, apparently. But it's tricky with all your mods and stuff, too, because yeah. you're closer to having, like, basically a double plum butter. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, if I really wanted to push it, I could get there. Um, so, uh, it's... I'm not sure if that's really what I would go for, but... um I actually think instead of going the route of buying, like, a machine from them, um, I'm getting more interested in, like, the DIY side of it because all of the circuits are out there. Um, but I think the thing that's most appealing is uh, would be the deer horn because I, that is one thing I do not have anything that does anything like that. Yeah, my studio. And I think as far as the deer horn goes, too, like in my experience, um, the one on the plum butter is cool, but it it feels more gimmicky on the plum butter. Whereas having like three of them and being able to play it polyphonically or pan shit around or even use it as a controller is way cooler versus having one, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I could see it. I think, and I think that's what appeals to me about it. Because, like, I love, like, you could take the, the CV out from your gestures, say, 
and like have one controlling the cutoff of the filter and the other controlling resonance so you can like wow yeah. you know yeah where you can't really do that with just one right that's true so I get that. I haven't used mine a ton since I got it, but I absolutely love it. Yeah, I was going to say, you you were surprised at how much you liked it, um, if I recall. Yeah, I'd take it over the Sidrax any day. Yeah, and I don't even really understand what the Sidrax is. So Well, it's quite simple. The Sidrax, like, I could give you a full rundown in, like, five minutes if the pandemic ever ends and we get to sit together. Oh, I didn't even realize you still had one. Oh, yeah, I still okay. have it. It's yeah. always on the edge of, like, being sold. Yeah. But I don't know what it is with that stuff. I just can't bring myself to do it. Well, yeah, you look at it and it's like, can't, like, uh, they feel alive. They feel like living things. And, and when you use them, they feel like living things. And they're, like, personal, too, right? Like, oh, if yeah. I sell it, like, I'm not going to get the same wood again or the same little, like, chips in the corner and... Yeah. That, I mean, that stuff doesn't really matter, but I think it does factor into how human it feels or whatever. Yeah, you get connected to these things, especially when they're made of wood and stuff like that. And now with him being gone, I'm like, okay, well, I know I would sell it fairly because that's just what I do. And then probably if I regretted it in a month, I'd end up paying two or $300 more just to get it back. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, if I could put food on the table and make music, why would I you know gamble that now yeah no that's true but uh i was gonna say i don't know if you listened to the episode with patch point or whatever yeah of course it was a trippy ass episode like <laughs> the uh the dindat and dudero stuff like the stuber oh the- yeah well i think the stuber actually was on the top of my list but i always forget about it because it's so mysterious like that's what i was gonna say if yeah. you want like like basically Darren said in that interview, he's like, it is like Peter's ultimate thing. Yeah. And it was so weird because I, I was at my buddy's um, a few nights before with it. And he played with it. And he's like, this thing is like completely experimental. Yeah. Like you're not supposed to get results that are predictable. You're not supposed to be able to repeat anything. Yeah. It's just purely put something in or don't and start plugging and playing. Yeah. And then when they talked about that in the interview, how it's like Peter said, he's like, it's intentionally a bad instrument. Yeah. And I think like for you, just um, like being interested in the paper circuits and stuff like that, like if some of the stuff was a little bit vanilla, the Dindat and Dudero stuff is like anything but vanilla yeah no that thing seems cool and i think part of it too is and like this is so egotistical of me to say but like i feel like i could make a bad instrument myself (laughs) um which doesn't mean it would be as good as that um should we loop back around once again or we're almost back again yeah that'll be good okay um yeah do you know what i mean though that's part of it too but they're so beautifully made it's like but like you've shown that. that you can build your own designs too like your easel and your surge case is beautiful your rolls is beautiful i should show you those you should um yeah they're i mean but they're not on that level though no but i'm saying like they look good and they have like you know i would assume the feel of a good instrument yeah well i think because that's something that's important to me um i wouldn't be satisfied 
otherwise. So I make sure. Uh-huh. Like even just touching the the rolls, uh, like the paint. Like I sanded that thing for like days, so that it feels like smoother than anything. Right. Because you touch them, and I don't want to touch something and it feel like a fucking like rotten avocado or some shit like that old <laughs> easel case that i have <laughs> remember i told you about that yeah it's still in the garage if you want to see how shitty it is yeah we'll take a peek um yeah i just I, and i didn't want to play the easel because i would be playing it and then i touched the case and it was like it's like if you were like sleeping and then your foot brushed up against like something slimy in bed, you'd just be like, ha oh. <laughs> like you would not want to go to sleep. Yeah, or like when you like stay at a weird motel or something and you get itchy or yes, you know. Yes, yes. Like... Cause the sheets are like have like a grit in them or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly the feeling. Yeah. And I, I like I don't know, I think Maybe you and I have talked about this the most out of any of my friends, just, like, how important interface is. It's way more important than people give it credit for. Well, because every time I get into conversations with people about features, it, there's, like, no regard for that the instrument side of an instrument, you know? And that's yeah. fine. Like, I talked to my buddy about this the other day with, like, Eurorack. Like, it is infinitely more powerful than any of the things that I have right now. But I just don't like touching it. I know. So it's like, give me a giant wall that has everything and maybe even looks okay. But just touching it, like yeah. even using the 2600 last night and just using a few mini cable jacks and hearing the pops and clicks oh, when the, I pull them in and out. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is why I can't do it. And I envy people that can. Yeah. It's just not, not for me, man. I need to, it needs to feel good. Yeah. The mini pots. <laughs> or like, I, well, and those, um, those, uh, LED faders that are like sharp on your fingers, like, like on stages. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a stages and it was awesome. Like you could have made a system just out of stages. Oh, I know. But it, it like, I didn't want to touch it. Jay, I didn't want to touch it. Yeah. No, I get it. Man. I get it. <laughs> And it's funny, like, the stages would come up, too, because I, I agree, like, to me, that is, like, on the level of, like, the DSG or SSG oh, and yeah. Surge, or, it's like... amazing. And it also has, like, hidden Easter egg shit with, like, subharmonic generators and stuff. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. and, like, I've been so close, I've talked to you even recently yeah. about, like, oh, I might build a mutable system, and then I just can't. Yeah. Well, they're doing the, that stuff in other formats now, so... Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's the way to get that stuff. But then if you have a Surge... I don't know. Do you need a Stages? No, I don't. Surge will, surge will do it. Surge, <laughs> surge will do, will do anything. Yeah. <laughs>